0: Hello. Nope. Not that one either. Hello. 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 What a wonderful word. Hello. Hello. God, I love crazy people. Hello. Hello. I have to do crazy people. That's a
1: good movie. That might actually be funny.
0: Right? That movie was hilarious.
1: Sasha.
0: I'm here. I'm doing it. Hello. I'm Sasha Chambers, and this is Eating After Midnight, start a over. podcast. I'm going to tell you to start
1: over right now.
0: Why? Because you didn't
1: leave enough space between "hello" and the last thing we did, and my my chair creaked in the middle of it,
0: so okay, I just stopped you. Hello, I am Sasha Chambers, and this is Eating After Midnight, a podcast where me and my best friend Amy Rivers re-hit movies from our childhoods to see if the leftovers have retained their flavor. Or left a bad taste in our mouths.
1: It is also about how these movies influence, inspired. <laughs> you messed up. Stop. Stop. <laughs> we almost did it. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> so funny. I couldn't oh, We almost did it. We almost did it. You cracked me. <laughs> all right you you start from the beginning just okay
0: Hello, I'm Sasha Chambers, and this is Eating After Midnight, a podcast where me and my best friend, Amy Rivers, reheat movies from our childhoods to see if the leftovers have retained their flavors or left a bad taste in our mouths.
1: It's also about how these movies influenced, inspired, and shaped us, whether the ideas they cooked up and fed us nourished our bodies and minds or just rotted our teeth and clogged our mental arteries.
0: Amy and I are not film scholars, but we do have a genuine love of movies as well as a beautiful friendship that spans 25 years. Hiya! Hiya! It was so hard to get through. Oh my God. Here we are with episode 11, our Thanksgiving episode. And for our Thanksgiving episode, we will be reviewing. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, directed by John Hughes. I'm really glad that this is where we're starting with the John Hughes movies, because we haven't really dipped our toe into the meat, into the real meat of 80s films. We've been, you know, warming ourselves up to it. So I'm, I'm glad this is where we are starting with the, uh, the John Hughes filmography here. Interesting watch. Wasn't expecting a whole lot of uh, what we got here. This was my pick. By the way, I uh, I watched Planes, Trains, and Automobiles probably a gajillion times as a kid. Loved it to absolute pieces um, and also have always had a, a, a fairly substantial crush on Steve Martin, so I think that probably has a lot to do with it. What? Oh,
1: yeah, Steve Martin can get it. You know, I mean, the thing is, I love Steve Martin so much. I love him so much. And so, but I've never been, you know, like, Sexy man attracted to him.
0: Oh, he's hot. Yeah. Oh, really? He's hot. Oh, yeah.
1: Are we talking like La Story? Because that was a great movie, and I loved him so much in that. Well, like, I mean, that, that certainly. <laughs> hot? Or did you like watch the jerk, and you were like, "That's my guy."
0: Oh, I think it started with the jerk. Really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm a woman of varied taste, but I mean, he's so funny. He's so funny, and like. He's got such an, you know, an interesting look. I love his silver hair and his dark eyebrows. Yeah, he and dogs. he's, and you know, he, he reminds me of our, um, we may have to edit this out. Our movement teacher from high school, our clowning teacher.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He was it. Mr. Stefan,
0: Stefan, Stefan had the, that, that hottie clown body because you know, you gotta like, <laughs> you gotta move, you gotta move to be a mime and a clown. And Steve Martin has got that in s- Aids man, like the whole. Okay, so we gonna I, we'll, 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 to... we'll, we'll we'll go over the plot, but that part where he is racing Kevin Bacon for the cab, yeah, 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 yeah um, yeah. and just like just his physical comedy, it doesn't even as simple as running. The man will like turn his body into like a plastic shopping bag in the wind. The way he'll like barrel out his chest and let his arms go like kermit okay. the Frog, and then puff his chest out really really big like he's just the way he moves is amazing um it's so expressive his face his eyes everything about him is just so, so unbelievably expressive and intelligent in the way that he performs he's a brilliant character actor and i'm just i'm just like super attracted to his talent besides the fact that he's i think he's hot he is smart as well as funny
1: as well as mm-hmm. a good actor he's kind of got all of that going on for us. so uh john hughes directed the film steve martin John Candy, 1987, and basically the whole cast of Ferris Bueller's Day Off is in this film, exactly. <laughs> except yeah, for yeah. Jennifer Grey and Matthew Broderick. Other than that, right. um, lots of little characters, lots of cameos, too many to, to even count. Michael McKean's randomly in it for yeah. a second as the, a very straight, you know, no jokes. He has no jokes. He's, yeah. the, he's just the cop, which is um, so unfortunate because he's one of my favorite funny men. Unlike Sasha, I did not watch this on repeat. I feel like I saw it. I must have seen it, but I did not rewatch this movie a hundred times over. And I watched rewatching it. I know why because I was not so into this. And I have to say before I even start going into so many problems with this movie, very problematic. I love Steve Martin and I love John Candy. Like mm-hmm. these two actors are classic american comedians but this movie in my opinion does not do well like at all and it's maybe not their fault i think john candy comes off a lot better than steve martin does in regards to this but i think john hughes is really problematic
0: i think like this is the first one yeah like i said like dipping our toe into the john hughes problematic problematic issues But
1: I was not expecting
0: it to be as problematic
1: as I found it. You know, I actually thought I was sitting down ready to watch a comedy. Number one, it doesn't feel like a comedy. It feels like Well, it certainly doesn't
0: feel like a comedy since it's a Thanksgiving movie in 2020, the year that you know that Thanksgiving was forgot. Like this was like so depressing actually to watch them race home. Or at least to watch Steve Martin race home to be with his family, to be able to sit around a table, naked-faced, maskless as the day they were born, <laughs> eating food and good company. You know, well, anyway, in all in, like, all in all their waspy glory. You know, we just thank you.
1: you hit okay. You you've just said the key word there, which was like the first thing I thought about after watching this film. Through this film was just like white privilege on all the way up to 11, all the way up to 11. Slash, yeah. For for the for our 11th episode and for our 11th um, month of the year, we've got white privilege turned
0: all the way up. Man, and we've just come off of this amazing high from coming to America to just watch this like, oh God, terrible display. It takes a second,
1: right? It takes a second to really drop into it. But you got a guy in a fancy office in He's in marketing, right? which Not which, just um, a
0: guy, one of five white guys around a, a big guys. white table with a big white boss.
1: <laughs> and looking at his fancy watch, complaining that he's getting overpaid for sitting in a meeting where literally all he has to do is sit in the meeting. He's getting paid to sit and do nothing. And right. it's like, well, well that's annoying. And, and you know, this is what happens in the very beginning of the film for me. You understand him like, because it is me. And I i mean, I've got white privilege uh, because I'm showboating. No one knows that I'm ethnic. On one hand, I started to understand him, you know, like in the beginning, it was like, okay, I hate being in long meetings like that. It's useless. And if I got a bought a first class ticket, and then somebody bumped me after a delay, all these things I would be upset about. And then it just starts to go too far. Things are bad are happening to him. And then it's like things better happening to him, but he's blaming all the wrong people. And he's becoming a full Karen on people, you know, but not a full Karen. It's even worse. It's like a scary, violent white man who's completely entitled. And that's what happens. Like that's the thing that they cross over in this film that's really problematic in my opinion, because they pitch it initially. He's the victim, right? Like Steve-O, or what's his name in it? Neil, spelled N E A L. No, sorry, anybody who spells their name right bad. Like I prefer Neil N I E L. Yeah, we all have preferences. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what was I saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, I got I got really scared You're of all the meals how, we were
0: going to lose. <laughs> yeah, well, right. Bye, Neil. Bye, Neil. <laughs> um, yeah, you were just talking about how it goes too far, and it really it it just it really does like. First of all, the way he speaks to the flight attendant. Yes, obviously you'd be pissed off. Obviously you'd be pissed off that you got, your flight was delayed and now you've been put into coach when you paid for first class, but you've got a seat. You've got a seat and you're going to be going. And it's just, just the way, the way that he's speaking to her is like, there is no way you'd get away with that today. They'd call the air marshals. You would not, you would not make it onto the plane. Yeah. And
1: I I think that's the thing why this movie is white privilege and why I'm clinging to that phrase is because they pitch him as the victim in this film. Like poor Steve Martin, who gets stuck on a, you know, delayed and then bumped from first class and then he's stuck with this, you know, oaf john candy who's disgusting and doing this and that and you know taking off his shoes in the airport oh and, the socks
0: i was on a flight with a woman like that she took off her socks and then she curled herself into the fetal position on the seat and she started like wiggling her toes but she was like wiggling her toes into my hip and i just thought i was gonna murder her like for some reason being on a plane suspends people's like good and better sense of humanity. Like, why do you think anyone wants anything to do with your feet on a plane? I did want to ask you this because
1: actually, is it bad to take your shoes off? Because I, okay, not on a short flight. If it's like a half an hour or one hour, you leave your fucking shoes on. But exactly. if, it's, if it's international, which oh no, most you most absolutely the time, you should take your, you take sho- your shoes, shoes off. off. But well, I always face- have a pair of socks that mm-hmm. I change into. So I take off my shoes and I take off my socks and then I have like a cozy pair when it's international, meaning you're going to be on, not, not international, like flying to Germany, to France, but like to the U S from the UK.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. You're talking to someone who's so extra when they fly that like a (laughs) a flight attendant took a picture of me, the last international overnight flight I took. She was like, you fucking win. Like not only, of course you have to take off your shoes because your legs swell. First of all, like, so it's bad for your circulation to leave your shoes on the whole time. Um, You're supposed to like wear those like compression socks, but I took my, I take my shoes off. I have a special pair of socks that I wear that have grippy on the bottom because I'm disgusted by airplane bathrooms. Um, So if I go in there, I want to wear something that I'm immediately removing from my feet, rolling inside out and then boiling in fucking water. Um, I have an inflatable cushion for underneath my ankles. I have a Snuggie, okay? I have a special like eye mask, noise canceling headphones. No, I don't, I don't fucking play games on an international overnight flight, but no one wants to see your feet. Yeah. So if you're on a short flight and you take your shoes off and then you take your socks off and expose your feet to a person, they should get to cut your toes off. Absolutely. I don't want to skip over though, the really awesome cameo from the teacher from Ferris Bueller's that was in the airport though, with the, the, the old school eighties airline sign behind him where it says destination nowhere. You know, I
1: read that in the, in the things, but I didn't actually see it. I read it in the production notes, but I didn't actually see it. Super, ben Stein. Super funny. That's that guy. That's ben, yeah, yeah. ben
0: Stein. Ben um, Stein. Mueller. So it was really funny that they used him to be the obnoxious voice over the intercom, but again, call back to Ferris Bueller's, which had come out the year before. So before we get too far into this, let's just like sum this up real quick yeah yeah. let's sum it up real quick we've got neil page who's an ad exec trying to get home for the holidays from his manhattan job to chicago where his wife and three children are waiting to have the waspiest thanksgiving ever in his attempt to get to the airport which he for which he his flight for which he's running late he goes through all these machinations to try to get a cab loses his cab to john candy who is a traveling shower curtain ring salesman awesome Awesome. Funny point.
1: There you go. One funny point, you get a tick for that.
0: Yeah. John Candy steals his cab inadvertently because he's just a well-intended dope. As fate would have it, their paths realign at the airport. Realign as seatmates on the flight, and then hilarity ensues as they basically become travel companions, attempting to make their way across the frosty Midwest to make it home for Neil's Thanksgiving on time. Yeah, that's it. I think I did way better than a- IMDb. We didn't that even. That was bother really good. I'm
1: not going to read IMDb. You know, fuck, it.
0: fuck it. Fuck it. So, so here they are. He's on the plane. He's already acted out a fool. Acted like a complete dick to the flight attendant. And turns out that he is seated next to John Candy, who, have, who we've mentioned, has has exposed his ass feet on the flight, and then proceeds to just chatter, shatter Steve Martin's ear off.
1: It's important to mention that he's he's a sweetheart, right? That's the thing. Yeah. He doesn't mean he there's nothing mean spirited in what he's done. Not at when all. He, when he steals the cab, like the most gen he's just so genuine, right? He says, Oh. Now that I've thought of it, oh, I it did smell really It was really easy cab. to I'm, get a cab. I'm so sorry. And he's like, "Don't worry, don't think about it." And he's like, "Well, I can't help but think about it." You want a hot dog? <laughs> and then he goes to like, "You want some lifesavers?" Fuck, I forgot which well, one. Well, starts is. with how about a
0: nice hot dog and a beer? How about just a hot dog? I'm very picky about what I eat. What about a nice beer then, sir? Please. Coffee. Lifesavers, coffee, water, juice, tic tac, a slurpee. Slurpee. <laughs> <Derpy>, that's it. <laughs> While he's reading some pulp fiction called The Canadian Mounted. Yep, 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 yep. Which is fucking hilarious. So they are forced to be in each other's company. John Candy, of course, is sleeping all over. Oh God, he's sleeping all over Steve Martin, who's then next to Bill Irwin, who is the old man and everything, coughing his face off. And I'm just having all these like COVID anxiety feelings where I'm just like, everyone's naked face is breathing on him. It's so disgusting. Everything has changed now. You just can't see people be close to each other on the screen without being completely fucking freaked out about it.
1: I don't think I get freaked out watching old. Well, movies. I don't know.
0: You're having a different experience. You're in Wales, where like things are fairly yeah, fucking normal. True. This shit is not normal here right now. So next plot point, they land in Wichita because they get rerouted, and then we have an interaction between Steve Martin and his wife, Neil Page and his wife. Now, they paint this thing between that's going on between his wife, where. Basically it's that Steve Martin is constantly away for business, right? Because immediately when he calls and is like my flight's delayed, well, how long do you think you'll be? It's daddy on the phone, flight delay. So they're really trying to like build up this whole thing that this is a this is a chronic occurrence with him.
1: See, you say that they're really trying. I don't think they're trying at all. All I see is a dude who's like, I need to get home to my wife and maybe he's late, but he's like this is what like one of the things that I had Problems with the movie. He's not pitched as a bad guy. He's pitched as a guy who's trying his best to do good by his family and get home for Thanksgiving.
0: They act like there's marital problems, but they don't really hammer so When out. When the little girl right? says "flight delay" and rolls her eyes, is when I get the impression, especially with the way that it falls out at the end, that this is a this is a this is a chronic thing. He's always missing meals. He's always missing events because he's too busy with work. And he says it again as well when they're when they have that horrible diner scene later on. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I I I've been spending too much time away from home. I so guess when I, she
1: think, I think that this. They- I th- guess where I'm at with it is that it just doesn't seem like he's like they don't pitch it that he's a bad guy. It, they pitch it as a guy who maybe works a little too much but's trying to get home. And I guess Well yeah, they no, they're it, not they pitching him
0: as a bad guy. That's exactly that's exactly the point of that. It just so happens that he's also a complete prick. Yeah, but they're not pitching him as a prick. No.
1: No, that's because at problem. this
0: point in time, nineteen eighty seven, did we say it is? It's nineteen eighty seven? Yes. Nineteen eighty seven, being an angry white man totally fine, Mm -hmm. totally fine, totally fine to yell in the face of a flight attendant, totally fine to be screaming on the street, that's my cab, but I don't know, I don't live in New York, that's probably like a normal fucking thing to do anyway on any given day of the week. Um, I, I have to say
1: that when I was with my mom watching it, I was like, you know, you see this in the movie, chasing after a cab and yelling and all that, and you think like, that's not true, that'll never happen, and then you live in New York, and you're chasing a cab down and you're yelling at it. And you know, all of it's true. Like I have chased a cab. I have yelled at somebody for stealing my cab. All of it's
0: true. Well, All my true. thing was what later on when we find out that after they they get the the, the robbery tricks takes place and we find out that he had over seven hundred dollars in his wallet. If you had over seven hundred dollars in your wallet, why wouldn't you fucking call a private car? Why are you waiting for a cab? In nineteen eighty seven, how much? Like what? That's is, a lot. That's like yeah. walking around like over a grand on you. What the fuck, bro? Right. Call a private car
1: he doesn't have as many credit cards. Like, you know, it's funny. The, That's in the true. 80s, he's
0: like, yeah, he's like, I have a visa and a diners club and um, a Neiman Marcus card in case we need to buy a gift for someone. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot. Like there was a, there was a time when you actually used cash.
1: Or just, I mean, I have like <laughs> six credit cards and, you yeah. know, and that used to be a thing. Remember in, in movies, they'd be like, look at all my credit cards. It's like now it's like, oh, if you have too many credit cards, it's actually a sign that you are pretty bad with money.
0: (laughs) Not a good look. So, okay, so they land, they get rerouted in Wichita. And of course, she that's the funny moment that, that that happens with the wife where I'm just like, what the fuck though? Because he calls her to let her know, and she's like, Well, I don't understand. What that what does Wichita have to do with Chicago? Do you not understand how flights work? Do you not are you not part of the working world? Are you not part of the world? Period. Like he landed and then and then he's really shitty to her though. Like, he basically says it exactly the way I just said it, where it's like, what's not to understand? We were supposed to land in Chicago. We couldn't. It's closed. We landed, they landed us in Wichita. But he's so kind of snarky about it, where I'm like, this is your wife, and she's Yeah, but I think
1: she's kind of being annoying. I hate to say, like, it's, like, at this point, I kind of, to a degree, at this point in the film, I kind of understand. Again, he's, like, the victim at this part Mm -hmm. of the film. Okay. Um, I do have to say, though, that- his son has a bowl cut and my mother in her wisdom gave me mark and aaron all bowl cuts matching bowl cuts in the 80s and my mom had her frizzy hair her frizzy perm like super curly (laughs) like so that was a moment if i had nostalgia in this film it was like yep that was my family didn't have the fancy fancy house that was like looks like an old library that they (laughs) made into a house but It did have that bulkhead. I did
0: not like their decor. That country chic thing was not doing it for me. But so they land in Wichita. They land in Wichita. And of course, they're shit out of luck to get another flight or get anywhere at any point in time. And so John Candy has negotiated a uh, hotel room because of all of his ins and connections as a wheeling and dealing shower curtain ring salesman on the road, making (laughs) friends and meeting people. And they take a super Weird cab ride and in, in what was it called? Doobies, Doobies yeah, doobie. Caborama, or some but shit. Like but, when you
1: look at it quickly, it looks like boobies. I yeah, that's the joke.
0: So, um, and that's where I see the. Um, this is going to be a new treasure hunt. I'm putting this out here for us and for all of our listeners. Spot the Garfield paraphernalia as a timestamp of an 80s film in the rear view, along with the um, Rolling Stones' open mouth tongue. Air freshener is also a Garfield paper air freshener and I have a feeling if we look hard enough in almost any 80s movie we will see some reference to Garfield the cat. But so they get to this hotel room and this is where shit gets like okay we're going to we're going to turn a corner here now that we're in this hotel room and it starts to go starts to go south. So we get set up first of all with how this is going to play out between the two of them for a later setup when their cards get mistaken at the check-in counter. Steve Martin pays for the room with his Diners Club, which looks nearly identical to John Candy's weird discount I Travel I Travel the Motels of America card and they get exchanged. Okay, their credit cards get exchanged and it turns out that they end up having to share one hotel room, which from the onset sets us up for like god just like the most boring jokes regarding homophobia. Because of course, two men couldn't possibly just share a hotel room. Yes, there's one bed. Big fucking deal. I was trying to figure out at first, I was like, is the bigger deal the fact that John Candy's a big man and they're going to have to share this bed? No. The big deal is that there are two men having to share a bed, because the the joke immediately following the realization that there's only one bed is John Candy says, hey, did you want to take a shower? And of course, Steve Martin takes that to mean together, which was just fucking boring. Uh-uh. Yeah. yeah, just super boring yeah. 80s homophobia jokes. They're just like, come on, man. It's just it's such absolute low hanging fruit. In fact, everything that happens in the hotel room are jokes of low hanging fruit, which Disturbingly, I remember rewatching this film over and over again because this scene in particular, I this whole this whole sequence, the whole hotel room sequence, I found fucking hilarious, which is disturbing to me about my 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 psychology. When you so were younger, th- you
1: found it hilarious, or no? Well, yeah,
0: yeah, no, no. Now I found it, I found it horrifying. I found yeah. it actually horrifying.
1: It, it's horrifying, like it's horrifying on a couple levels. Like mm-hmm. yes, the homophobia, and actually. Even though when they wake up, and I know you're going to go through the whole scene, but when they wake up and he gives them those two little kisses, that's probably one of my favorite parts. Like,
0: Oh, no, that shit is actually hilarious. That's really funny. But Uh, but the thing that they do immediately immediately afterwards. afterwards is my least favorite homophobic joke in yeah. which you, you oh see that, that bear's game it. it's just such an expression of toxic masculinity yeah it's um because sad. if you're a man you watch sports right if you're a man you <laughs> when you first wake up in the morning and you <laughs> it's just you know that yeah that was really really, really, really fucking lame a super eye roll but The part that was really, really upsetting for me. So they settle in, Steve Martin takes a shower. There is a whole bit of a very funny physical comedy where the water shuts off, he gets soap in his eyes. And I remember that was always supposed to be very funny. And then we established John Candy as like a gross dude who's just demolished the bathroom full of wet towels and nastiness john candy's gross he's really okay, john gr- candy is really fucking gross. gross while steve martin is trying to take a shower this this he's a slob he's just like sprawled out all over the bed he's smoking first of all the smoking i was like ew gross you're smoking inside you got beer on the bed it's a fucking vibrating bed there's all kinds of gross snacks and nastiness. like he's just settled into this room immediately like he lives there but then that that also comes up later on So he spills beer in the bed. Steve Martin's got to get in the bed and he's all pissed. And they're bickering back and forth like they're an old married couple trying to go to sleep. Then John Candy proceeds to make all of the grossest noises possible that a human being could possibly generate, including the foley for him scratching his balls. I just about was on the ceiling upside down like a cat. fingers imprinted in the ceiling. I was like, this is the grossest shit. I also have a massive, massive phobia of loogies. I can't deal with loogies. When, pe- when someone spits on the sidewalk in front of me or makes that horrible noise, I straight up gag. I don't know what, or, 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 I, just thinking about it right now just making me so sick, I can't You're deal so with it. You're
1: so lucky you didn't have brothers.
0: I really am, really I really are, am. Maybe, I mean, but- I would have been better off, I'd have been tougher for it, but like, yeah, I can't. Like any kind of <laughs> spitting, gross bodily noises like that, I just like, ew, ew, I'm like cringing right now just thinking about it.
1: No, he's super nasty, and even if you spilled beer in the bed you have to use every single towel
0: in the whole every towel and then leave it on towel. the floor soaking like gross dude gross, gross. come on it's really grosser, gross. grosser than gross grosser than gross is john candy as a hotel mate yeah so then <laughs> finally steve martin gets up and gets really 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 pissed off okay really 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 fucking pissed and, off
1: and, and you have to say rightly so rightly he's got so a right to be so he's got a right to be
0: mad right at this point Yeah, he wants to sleep. The dude just, he needs to sleep. I mean, it's very kind that John Candy's invited him to share his room, even though Steve Martin did end up paying for the cab fare and the room. Um, He just wants to sleep. He just wants a fucking minute of rest and this guy will not stop making fucking noise. But then Steve Martin proceeds to get up and assassinate this man that he has just met, assassinate his character, everything about him, his personality. And I remember as a kid thinking that this was hilarious because it is, it's very well-written, it's well-crafted, it's well-delivered, and only the way that Steve Martin could really deliver something like this. But it is so mean. It's so mean that the first watch of this, I sat there with my mouth hanging open and one hand over it just thinking, I-, I am a horrible, terrible person that I could have ever found this funny, child or not. And now I'm remembering that mean used to be funny. Mean used to be like a really, really funny thing, right? But it's, it's not now. And fat shaming isn't funny. And making fun of, of someone's mental health isn't funny. And just being mean to someone just for the sake of being mean isn't necessarily funny anymore. And the look of absolute dejection on John Candy's face and the tears welled up in his eyes. Um, I mean, again, just establishing him as well as just like a brilliant actor, not even just a comedic character actor, just a brilliant actor that has depth, real, real depth and presence is making me so uncomfortable that whole scene is making me so uncomfortable and then for him to be like you know i like me my wife likes me and and go ahead i'm an easy target make fun of the fat guy make fun of that guy you know it's just wow it was so dramatic and at this point i realized that we're like not even really full 45 minutes into the film or barely 30 minutes into the film. I'm like, this is the kind of drama that you have 45 minutes in and we're only like 26 minutes into this film and they are blowing up these characters in front of our face. What did I miss? Like, what's what's gonna come I, next? I this, is, this, like, this is major fucking drama. And you. then what blows it's me drama. away by this it's scene. Drama. Yeah, it's major drama. And then what blows me away by this is after Steve Martin is just unforgivably cruel to john candy and john candy then basically shames him right there on the spot for being such a prick it's funny because i watched the amc version so i don't even get to watch i didn't even get to watch john candy be like you're an asshole like you're a jackass is i think what amc let him say but steve martin then has the bold-faced audacity to get back in the bed the thing is when he gets
1: mean he just does it's not that he says one comment he goes off for like four, five, six, he just keeps on piling it on. I think that's the thing that bothers me. and I have to say I don't I don't think I agree with you. I don't think Steve Martin pulls it off at all. I think it's really like there's something he is just as mean like he and with like if that was what he was trying to do, he just seems mean and not funny mean, he just seems mean. Like I don't see any color. Maybe well, that's, that's kind of one of the things about later... Steve Martin,
0: though. Wait, that's kind of one of the things about Steve Martin is that his characters can do that flip a switch thing. He can be hardcore straight man, or he can be that shopping bag in the wind physical comedian. Like he he yeah. does have that 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 range so that's why i said you know delivered in only the way that steve martin could deliver lines like that and have yeah, it i think
1: that there could it could have been funny but the way he pitches it is just so mean oh and i remember then, howling! Then, i
0: remember howling the chatty kathy thing but i mean now it's awful it's horrible maybe
1: that's it maybe i don't have the re- memory of right. it being funny but when i watch it now it's kind of like what and then and the way he does it it's like i'm not laughing and then he says the next
0: one and i'm like I'm not laughing, dude. And then, oh, is Steve look, Martin your evil from Fright Night for me? Is that what's happening? Is I think like, so. Because, is that what's happening? There's okay. no, no, it can't be because I love Steve Martin. Like We will do Steve Martin. Like I said in the beginning,
1: I love Steve Martin. But I was just like, Steve Martin, Like, can you try to make this funny? Because honestly, what you said about John Candy and, and the depth of his um, acting abilities, he saves this scene, if it's able to save, with the way his face looks, that broken face. Oh, God. You know, it absolutely it's saves it. And then the
0: lines, the lines
1: do, like, I love, I like me, my wife likes me, my friend, you know what I mean? It's, it was just like, oh, like
0: big heart. Oh, the thing he said when God. he goes, yeah, yeah, I talk a lot, but I listen a lot too. I yeah, uh, it was like
1: I hated the dialogue to I loved the dialogue. You know
0: what I mean? Like i yeah, so upset. Absolutely. With it. Absolutely. Then- and it's so sentimental and also to just also just further nails home this thing about Neil Page, the character, as just the most entitled prick ever. And that's basically what John Candy says he's like, you got a room. You have a place to stay. You're an intruder. I invited you. And of course, you know, Steve Martin is like, but I paid for it. I paid for everything. So somehow, his reaching into his pocket then makes it okay for him to act like a colonizer. A co- you know, I paid oh, for this. i to you colonize your Go fucking there, hotel room. Go colonize there, your shit Sasha. and tell you how you need to fucking behave. Exactly, he colon- colonizer. <laughs> There's Two yeah. other
1: things that are, are brilliant, not brilliant in the scene, but like the 1980s convention of like sound effects that are made with the sound, the score. Like when they do see the the bed, there's like music that goes off, but then it disappears. It, it's the same thing that happens in Ferris Bueller. But like something will happen. It'll be like ding a ding a ding 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 dong, yeah. and then you know because they are like there's only one bed. Ding a ding a ding 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 dong.
0: <laughs> and then it disappears and the scene keeps on going yeah like, it's the bed know, the bed theme the awkward bed theme yeah, yeah i know yeah. that
1: this is very difficult to understand what i'm saying right now
0: so please watch this movie and then when they the cut to the bed oh, i think if you're if you're well versed it makes perfect sense i think it might be the most sensible thing we've said in the entire podcast this oh. far <laughs> Okay,
1: so I have a last thing in this scene, but it has to be the last thing on this scene. So anything
0: else? Mm-hmm. So oh, well, other than other than, of course, the the you know just the weird fact that they get robbed. They get <sighs> robbed in the middle of the night. Okay, someone with a ginormous blade, ginormous blade, jimmys the fucking lock, um, no. comes in there, creepy, creepy, creepy. And goes and takes all of the money out of Steve Martin's wallet, which oddly is on Dell's side of the bed. That was strange. Because I was like, "Why is your wallet with all your cash on his side of the bed?" But yeah, he steals the money, puts it in his hat, and takes off. And then in the morning, they wake up and do the oogie boogie dance because they realize that they're snuggling. The snuggling part is cute. Again, the snuggling's the, great. The dance, the dance, the dance of the homophobes, <laughs> not so cute. Okay, so
1: the anxiety that I have in this movie, there's a couple scenes that drove me to like, ah! and it was not the grossness of John Candy, though it was gross. But when somebody breaking into a hotel room and you're sleeping Mm-mm. with a big ass, net, no, like, I don't know when this phobia created for me, but I used to have to go to uh, travel with work and I was in hotel rooms all the time by myself. And I don't know when it happened, but like one day, I suddenly started putting a door in front of the door of my hotel rooms for this exact that's cause thing. That's
0: because you used to listen to all those creepy, scary podcasts
1: about serial killers I and I know. Children. You can't know,
0: listen to that kind of stuff I and know. live in the world, man.
1: I know. That's probably what I it was. I think I watched the but fucking I cannot, show. I cannot deal with, like, that scene just made me like, oh. It's
0: super creepy. So
1: So so scary and that's the and it's also
0: hilarious them, too because it's 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 also hilarious too because it's such a classic 80s thief moment because he only takes the cash but not the credit cards idiot. those credit cards have been fucking gone today by dawn those cards would have been completely fucking finished but yeah there and then the the journey begins they've got to get going they realize that they've been robbed. They end up having to score a ride from the hotel manager's creepy son. The guy who's later on in Happiness, who's got like a creepy little quiet bride. Who Dylan, is, Dylan Dylan she's, Baker. Oh, is, she's short and she's skinny, but she's strong. Her first baby came out sideways and she never screamed or nothing. Like I forgot about the, the those characters. And then like that whole ride is just another bit of very stock, cheesy 80s kind of... Abbott and Costello-ish vaudevillian kind of funny, where they're in the back of the truck with that snarling dog, and then when they finally end up at the train station, they're all covered in frost and shivering, including the snarling dog. <laughs> that's the only good part is the dog. The dog. Yeah. Broke. Otherwise, that all of that is just like a whole bunch it. of drawn out, cheesy '80s stuff. Uh, you know, shots of the car driving down the highway. We didn't need any of it. We didn't really need to see. Yeah, it I
1: think I think that's overall like the movie's got you know non funny moments, and then like moments that were supposed to be funny in the 80s that are just, they don't work at all anymore. But there are two moments in the film that are hilarious to me. And I think that one of them is coming up, which is basically John Candy selling the shower rings as earrings.
0: That is fucking brilliant. Yes. So 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 they get dropped off at the train station, right? Planes. Now we're on to trains. They take a train, they get split up. And this is where I have like my first depressing moment where he's sitting there next to this girl reading a magazine. He's like, So, you on your way home for Thanksgiving? And I'm just like, fuck, man, no one's getting fucking Thanksgiving this year. Fucking blows. <laughs> it really made me sad. It was super depressing. And then, of course, the train breaks down. They've got to walk from the, the train tracks out to the road and then figure another way. And now we're on to our first set of automobiles, the bus, right? we get on, and on on their way to get to the bus. Is it on the way to the bus or is it on the way to the train that John Candy does this? I don't this really day? care. I
1: mean, I, like I said, I don't want to
0: need to go play by play of this movie. Right? Well, no, I'm just trying to remember because the, it, it, it's important only because John Candy is doing this to raise money for them to be able to continue on traveling. Yeah, because, yeah. No, because this you know, just this speaks- No, no, this isn't- No, stop. This is important because you're sitting here talking about how shitty Neil Page is and this guy who's just like waving all his big you know madmen marketing money around. And here we've got John Candy, a working traveling salesman stiff, who is the one who's going to save the day by scamming a bunch of women in a fucking bus depot or train station into believing that this white earring right here, this is Jackie Onassis Ivory and this clear set right here. They're filled with helium, so they're very, very light. And it's all really hilarious until he pitches to those three teenage girls. And it's clearly not that he's being skeevy, it's John Hughes that's skeevy. And it's like, oh yeah, you guys could definitely pass for at least 18 or 19 and then they pass their money over. Well, see, I amazing. Like i don't, amazing. Know. I don't amazing. know. That's like it, second city realness, right there. It was—it's really, it's really funny.
1: I think that could have been John Candy who wrote that line. To be fair, like, oh, he, I think the whole thing was improvised. Yeah. I fully believe yeah. that. Yeah, but but I I, I will forgive that because i think that in the in the 80s that was a joke i think oh
0: my god it's not heavy-handed carved for the for the original emperor wizard of china what the fuck these are of course replicas but yes that's what's funny about it he like qualifies he's like of course it's not the real thing these are just replicas but they're really
1: well done it's like oh my god it's just comic genius it's absolute comic genius and it's One of the only moments that I really laughed. I mean, the fact that he's a shower ring salesman in the first place, hilarious. And then him selling rings to unsuspecting women. How long do you think they
0: brainstormed to come up with what could be the most boring (laughs) possible career that a person could have? Fucking shower ring salesmen door-to-door showers ring salesmen they get on the bus which we finally see some black folks a little kid running up and down the aisles yay black person oh no we there's so so you know oh yeah there was someone waiting in the in the airport as well there was a black man waiting in the airport and
1: then in the very beginning when they were in their taxis find the black people so him and kevin bacon are are going to you know head to head the, the taxi taxi cab race and they both get thwarted By black people so the first one is like is that right yep like steve martin is running and a black dude like they dance together right like like who's going left who's going right and then so that delays him and then kevin bacon is delayed by a uh black delivery man and then and those to be fair those guys and the little boy who's annoying are the you know on the bus are the only black people in this movie no lines no anything but when they get off the bus is when they go to um, the cafe mm-hmm. um, or the diner. Listen to me. Oh, you know what I was going to say actually before? I just realized something. So you're really sad because Thanksgiving is kind of canceled this year. And that just clocked to me. Like, I because... Thanksgiving had been canceled for me for eight years. Right. Like as much as, I mean, I, I celebrate it and I'm going to celebrate it this year because my mom's here. Yeah. I just I guess I didn't really clock that. Yet. So insensitive,
0: is, Amy. So no, insensitive. no, not insensitive.
1: Just, just, I had an aha moment <laughs> because, because you kept on coming back to him. Like, why are you so impressed I mean, it was just Thanksgiving? And then it was like, yeah, wait, Thanksgiving's are, yeah Thanksgivings great. It's, it's not only family, it's friends. And yeah. It's something that i try to explain to people here but i kind of you know i've so every thanksgiving it's kind of like just dinner but that's why you're a little you're a little heartbroken uncertain moments of this film aren't you Sasha? yeah
0: yeah just for me and for everyone that like really you know they told us this shit would be gone by fucking easter and here we are it's fucking thanksgiving oh big hugs america i'm sorry yeah sucks anyhow they have this terrible moment in the diner where steve martin is yet again a complete fucking dick and some revealing some revealing uh conversation about you know where this is where he says you know I, i've been spending too much time from home and john kenny said i haven't been home in years and it, and it just rings in a certain way right we'll leave yeah, it yeah, like yeah. that but Steve Martin then, after all that they've just gone through, after this dude fucking pounded the pavement, hawking fucking shower curtain rings his earrings to unsuspecting women in a fucking bus depot, scores them a meal as a result, then ditches him?
1: Yeah, and he does it in like, such a skeevy way because he first says something like, you know, when we put our two heads together, and it sounds like he's going to say, we can accomplish yeah. anything, but then he says it things just ruin like he he doesn't even do it in a way that's very nice at like all he's trying to be nice right but he says it in such a fucked up way
0: Shitty, and shitty my, way.
1: my favorite thing is that when john candy gets upset he like leaves the money he's like
0: yeah go buy your kids a chocolate, a chocolate turkey, turkey. <laughs> a fucking chocolate turkey i'm so glad you heard that too yeah amazing yeah so he completely hurts john candy's feelings who like really just yeah who clearly just wants to be his friend and just did him such a fucking solid got him as far as he can got him a fucking meal oh my god oh yeah. my god i was like you're such a fucking prick and then it leads us into the parade of white privilege that is the airport a car rental scene. Take it away, Amy. I'll go ahead and let you and I'll just chime in here and there. But whoa, okay, whoa, whoa, so whoa, whoa.
1: There, this scene's just, I mean, so literally I was not enjoying this film except for John Candy. I very much enjoyed. And then this scene happened and it's like, this was the moment of like, oh, this is why I don't like the scene because Neil, what's his name? Neil Page is a white privileged, angry white male piece Oh shit. Piece Absolute of shit.
0: Piece of living yeah. shit garbage.
1: And it starts, you know, and he's stupid as fuck. He's entitled, oh,
0: that's the word. Stupid yeah. as fuck, like the-, the Entitled colonizer. Places. Yes.
1: He gets a car rental. The, the bus drops him off to get the car. He goes to the, the um, parking space, Bam! the car is not there. So he s- throws a fit, throws his, his, his toys out of the pram, and whilst he's doing this, he throws away his rental agreement. And even at this point, I was
0: like, yo, you just, like, you need that. And they do a really hilarious 80s thing at this moment. Yeah, while he throws his fucking, absolute fucking shit, which I could kind of understand because it did seem like that rental car spot was Away from the airport but still and he's been through some shit he's been through some shit but the thing that they do with the music right here where they mix his voice into the tune you're messing with the wrong guy it's <laughs> fucking hilarious I, remember it. I don't remember that because it replays thing- like seven times over the course of this scene Go the
1: only on. thing i could think of was like why are you throwing away your rental agreement like you're gonna need that and like i said i didn't actually know what was coming up. So I immediately clocked, like, you need that rental agreement. And mind you, I get it why he's mad. I totally get it. But, you know, hold on to that rental agreement because you're going to need that. So he it's throws contact,
0: it away. right?
1: <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Like, you actually need proof. Oh, you actually need evidence if you want something to go through. Yeah. Mr. Yeah, Trump. you have
0: to prove that you've been wronged you if you want prove- things to go your way.
1: Yeah. That there was a, you no not and you have to prove it with actual evidence, evidence. Of Mr. Trump, no longer our president, Mr. Trump, before anything is going to happen.
0: Oh, I don't, I don't it. call him Trump even. I call him Teabag.
1: <laughs> anyway, so he has a right to be angry, of course, but you know he walks to the rental counter.
0: Oh, it's an epic walk. He goes under and over freeway overpasses, and by the time and like get falls in the mud, his hat gets destroyed. By the time he gets there, for some reason, he's got his tie wrapped around his fucking head and his jaw like Rambo with mumps. Like it's very fucking weird.
1: I get it. I get it. He's having a bad day. Sure, but he walks up to the counter. And again, what's her name? I don't know her name, but the the secretary from Ferris, Ferris yeah, right. She's the one she's brilliant. She's cute as fuck. She's like excited about Thanksgiving talking about her dad wants to have an ambrosia salad. So he needs to pick up the little marshmallows. Very cute. And then the first thing he says to her, now he's clearly upset. And I understand why he's upset. Totally allowed to be upset. But the first thing he says to her after she smiles and says, how can I help you, is you can start by wiping that fucking dumbass smile off your rosy fucking cheeks. That's the first thing he says to her. Yeah. And then he proceeds to use fucking, and I saw it in the production notes, they use it like 61 times or something fucking ridiculous like that.
0: Oh wow, because I saw the AMC version of this, so I didn't realize he was swearing at her on top of just being oh. a bastard. Oh Oh no. my God. He's swearing at her the
1: whole fucking time. He's like, I want a fucking Buick, a fucking Dustin, a fucking- I forgot about that part. And he doesn't stop at all. And then at the end, of his tirade, he says, I want a fucking
0: car. car and I want right it fucking now. right now. That's and where, that's it, the only part of the AMC part. He, they don't go through the whole fucking Buick Datsun fucking, oh, I forgot about that, it's oh
1: disgusting. shit. It's It's a tirade. Disgusting. It's an absolute
0: assault. It's a verbal assault, a complete- But again,
1: holy shit. This is supposed to be funny. It's right. supposed to be hilarious. And in fact, I read that Steve Martin, to do this film, he read the um, hotel scene and this scene and was like, "Yeah," and I was like, "Really?
0: Yeah, really, Steve Martin?" Well, this was still okay. the era of the customer is always right.
1: Well, the cut. No, that that still exists. No, that it doesn't. Does not mean this is. It's. It's. It is so. Long story short, it is an angry white male who literally is so entitled. I mean, she says, where's your agreement? He's like, I threw it away. Give me what I deserve. I mean, that's what he's saying. Give me what I deserve. I don't care that I don't have any proof of it. I'm clearly upset. You will do what I say. And I am violent right now. Like, I was afraid. Like, if that happened to me, and I think that's the other thing. Like, I've been on that side of the counter, Mm -hmm. you know, in my life. And if that happened to me, then I would have just been, crumbled and terrified and called the police. And mind you, if it was a black man, then the security would have been on him and he would have been out. And also, can I say if it was a black man, it might've been funny. Like, I just have to say, like, I don't think Steve Martin pulled it off. I think he just comes off as a super entitled, angry, angry, in fucking white dude who is allowed to do anything he wants and is allowed to terrorize this woman
0: now well i think i think that's how it comes off today but at the time it was funny because this was in 1987 this kind of behavior was still regardless of the fact that it was still over the top, and, and really, you know, it's unacceptable, but it was acceptable. The customer is always right, I have been wronged, and on top of it, I have been wronged and I am white, so I'm gonna fucking dance a Tarantella until I get what I want. I grew up around people that acted like this. There was a strange kind of mentality, I think, in the 80s and into the early 90s of, of elitism, of if you were on one side of the counter, that made you better than the person on the other. And that does not fucking fly today anymore. Thank motherfucking God. Thank God. Thank um, God. Yeah. I mean because she, it is nasty.
1: She kind of gets her come up and set the end because, you know, he doesn't have his rental agreement and then she looks at him and says, You're fucked. And then ha, that's the, you know. End scene, but I just thought, like, who the fuck wrote this? I, I mean, cool in the 80s. Was it funny? I guess I, I probably would have laughed, but today, 2020, hindsight, exactly what we're doing. Mm-mm, not Mm-mm. funny, not funny, very angry to the point where I was like, this is gross. Like, I do not like this movie because yeah. of this kind of thing. and And then he kind of perpetuates it. You know, when after watching this scene, I kind of rethought the beginning and I was like, yeah, this guy's a piece of shit. Like, and it doesn't stop actually there. He then goes out and gets into the taxi rank, right? And the first thing he says to the guy is that he wants, you know, a a car, a taxi to take him to Chicago. And then the guy's like, you know, you might want to get a plane for that. You get a free meal. And he's like, if I needed fucking jokes, I'd-
0: I'd um, I'd go to the John and watch you take a leak. Yeah. And at this point- the, te- the cab driver hits him. And my thought, my note is, how is this the first time that Neil Page has gotten hit? Exactly. Exactly. He, he deserved a solid clock in the mouth so many different times over the course of this. It's ridiculous. But
1: all I have to say about it is, is the thing about this movie that's problematic is that he actually is pitched as... The victim. It's not like he was a, a bad guy in the beginning and then he grows a heart. He basically is the same person he is. He's just, you know, having a bad, bad day. And then the only thing that changes is he sees that John Candy is a wonderful guy, but he doesn't have like a moment of like, oh,
0: I should stop being a dick to people. He has a moment of oh well, he has a couple John moments. Candy. He has a couple moments. He has the moment in the hotel room after John Candy shames him where he's like, Wow, I was a dick. He doesn't apologize. He doesn't apologize. I think his his version of an apology is that he stays. He he he, he permits John Candy to continue <laughs> having him in his presence, basically. And then there's that moment when they when they don't have seat assignments next to each other on the train, where he's kind of, you know, a little bit He does soft. that on purpose.
1: He does that on purpose. I know he
0: does that on purpose because he just wants to fucking be rid of him. But at the same time, there, there is a little bit of genuine softness to it. But then John Candy comes in and once again saves the day, not crushing Steve Martin's head like a grape after he's been fucking punched, had his lights punched out by the fucking cab dispatcher. And then the only funny thing that happens after John Candy doesn't hit him, and John Candy, of course, is the only one in this moment that has any decency where he's like, what is wrong with you? yeah, the guy's an asshole, but he's also a man down in the street. And I want you to help me pick him up, right? And of course, then we get another joke. And this is actually the only funny part about this. When John Candy is talking to him in the car after they drive away and then he opens his mouth, he's like, oh, I'm so so happy I didn't kill you. And do you have any idea how happy I would have been if you did? And then he proceeds, everything he says is like he's on helium is really funny. That it's, shit is really funny. We have That's the same solid. brain, Sasha. We
1: have the same brain. I have two moments in this movie that are funny, in my opinion. Really funny. And it's the selling of the earrings and B after he gets hit by the nuts, the voice after the nuts. And okay. The
0: chocolate turkey. Those are the, the chocolate turkeys hysterical. Okay. But mine is coming up and why this is so insanely hilarious to me. I don't know. And when I say insanely hilarious, I mean sitting alone in my apartment, I am crying tears down my face, wheezing, wheezing with laughter. I can't is wait the part. It is. I know it's so weird. It's really strange. Okay. So, They drive on, right? They drive on and now they're going to drive their way to Chicago. And Steve Martin falls asleep. John Candy is at the wheel. And there's that moment where he starts listening to Little Richard, The Mess Around, which I'm sorry, if I was driving and The Mess Around came on, I would start driving like a fucking idiot too. I'd be like playing the piano on the dashboard and doing all the stuff because that song is the jam. That song is the fucking jam. (laughs) But then comes this moment of terrible anxiety where he gets both of his... If y'all listen to Footloose, you know that this is my deepest fucking fear is to be in a vehicle and have my shirt sleeve or my shoelace or some part of me attached to some part of the car where I can't fucking move and I'm stuck. And then both of his hands get stuck. They almost spin out and die. Somehow Steve Martin sleeps through this, whatever they make it through. They continue to drive on unbeknownst to them on the wrong side of the road. Steve Martin wakes up to hear John Candy honking the horn furiously in response to a couple honking the horn at them screaming, you're going the wrong way, which of course they interpret to mean they are going the wrong direction of the destination they are trying to get to. And it takes Steve Martin a few minutes to clock. In fact, oh no, we're on the opposite side of the line of the highway. We are physically going the wrong direction of the road. When two giant semis they are barreling down the face of two giant semis. And this is some stock, cheesy, standard 80s funny. But when they realize, and they go between those two trucks, and the side view mirrors get ripped off, and momentarily both of them turn into skeletons, and then John Candy becomes the devil, and they're just screaming, yes, there's a, mo- yes, They turn into skeletons. There's a flash where Steve Martin becomes a skeleton. And then he turns and John Candy is a skeleton, but they still have their eyes in skeleton bodies. And then Steve Martin spins. And John Candy is a laughing devil in a cheesy fucking plastic bag, like 1980s devil costume. I pee my pants like I am fucking nine years old all over again. It is hilarious to me. I must have literally blinked my eyes. I remember him turning into the devil, but I don't remember the skeletons. It's it's so that's funny. split seconds, split seconds where they're fucking skeletons and it sends me. It fucking sends me into yeah. mass hysterics, absolute mass hysterics. Then the car spins out, the fucking trunk sails off the okay. car, the mystery trunk that's got like the best latches on earth. Because I mean, I wonder what you might be keeping in there that it's got such strong lash latches. Oh girl.
1: <laughs> oh girl. No, you know what though? I'm with you on this anxiety through this whole thing. I didn't remember that part. I can't gonna, believe you but didn't see that. But guess what? I'm gonna have to, I get to rewatch it because I had to purchase this film to <gasps> like watch it. it. I own it now and I oh literally can't get rid of it because it's like downloadable. <laughs> and if it was a DVD, and <laughs> I could like sell it to somebody or even just give it away. Not only getting stuck is my thing in the car, it's specifically when I take off my jacket while I'm driving. I've always like that specific yeah. because you know, like I, you get hot and then you take off your jacket and then you get stuck. that scares me and
0: that shit's terrifying it's as scary as sneezing sneezing while driving is really scary too. oh oh. really scary
1: and then and then driving on the wrong side of the highway because i drive in the uk now i'm constantly afraid that i might be on the wrong side of the road exactly like that because oh my god there's no there's not tons of cars here so yeah sometimes when i turn i'm just kind of like Am I on the right? Did
0: you space out and like go back to LA in your brain? I, yeah, I would be scared like, of that too, I, actually. So
1: I think that I was so full of anxiety that I missed the brilliant comedy. Oh my
0: God, you need to go back and watch that. I will. That I will. It's, It I is will. actually fucking hilarious. Then the car catches fire. Because of course the, he, he his, his jacket gets caught on the thing because he throws his cigarette out the window which then comes back around in through the back window uh, which remember happened to Smurfette, my blue Honda that we had that had like all kinds of cigarette burns. Thank God it never actually caught fucking fire while we were on our way to Mexico. But so yeah, so the, thing, yeah. So the thing finally burns through the seat, catches the fuck fire, thing catches fire, um, burns the car to a crisp and then of course they keep driving the car. They keep driving the car on they manage to scam a hotel room um by pawning you know the 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 few dollars that neil page has in his pocket and his really very nice watch manages to get a room and he's so mad he's so mad at dell of course he also realizes after the car has burned down that his wallet is in the car and what is now in his wallet which wasn't before was his credit card, which is what Dell used to rent the car that is now under the name of Neil Page that has been completely destroyed. Um, So he's super pissed. He gets, he's like, get your own room. And of course, Dell has no money. And he leaves Dell out in the snow where Dell has a heartfelt moment of speaking to his wife Marie about, he really fucked it up this time. He met a guy that's, you know, a person whose company he genuinely enjoys and he just did what he does. He talks too much and he made himself too obnoxious. And now the guy doesn't want anything to do with him. And now, He's just going to have to fucking freeze to death in a burned out automobile in the parking lot of a motel until this prick Neil Page finally is like, I guess I'm kind of being an asshole and invites him in where they finally have some camaraderie. They have no money, but decide to raid the mini fridge and drink all those $9 bottles of single shots of booze. We have another weird tell from Dell where Steve Martin says to him, Neil Page says to him, well, you know, at the very minimum, let's, let's cheers to the wives because at the bare minimum, at least, you've got an, a woman to grow old with. And there's just this wistful look on Dell's face. And we know something's off, but we're not sure what. Amy has a theory as to what might be off. <laughs> Which I keep waiting for you to share because I think it's fucking hilarious that I never considered well, see, this yeah, I was one. just going to
1: wait till the end because seriously, when you do find, it, it, the problem is, is that when you do find out, <laughs> that is Just this nice theory set. of
0: yours is hilarious <laughs> is,
1: yeah it's not okay. that's not hilarious it's that it's the thing is is the movie is so it's so teeters on like comedy and drama because there is that moment he's got that wistful moment with his face looking all sad and talking about his wife. So you kind of get that his wife is dead before you find out his wife is dead. So
0: I in remember. the morning, they commit a major crime by backing the car into the the wall of their motel room and then speed away as best they can in this, in this burned out jalopy. Of course, no one comes out at the sound of this noise. And I'm like, wow, so... Okay, they are fugitives for law. They're on the road and then we get, he, they get pulled over by Michael McKeon playing the super straight men to what's supposed to be their two funny men now that they are driving this insanely burned out jalopy down the highway, 78 miles an hour. How that thing, and that gave me anxiety. Just watching those wheels go, the car gets impounded. What's the final move after the car gets impounded? How do they get home after that? Oh yeah, they hitch a ride in a cheese truck They sit in the back of a cheese truck, which takes them all the way to Chicago, where they then finally part ways at the subway platform. Um, And here it is genuine. Here it is genuine that he's like, you know, we've come so far. I hope this never happens again. Have a great holiday. Say hi to Marie. I feel like I know her already. And on 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 the subway train meal page, what do you call it when it's above ground? If it's not a subway train and it's above ground, what do you call that? Just the train?
1: the uk they call
0: it the overground the overground right? oh, makes... what do they call it so yeah so he gets on this on this contraption this train and proceeds to have like the the most cheesy dramatic 80s flashback slash future trip where he's seeing his wife's face and there's like this hungry eyes moment of them across and he's having like flashbacks of moments of the car you know, burning and that's so funny. And then he slowly starts to piece it together.
1: But what's the thing is, is that they've been doing those flashbacks the whole fucking movie, actually. Like the whole movie, he just randomly would have flashbacks. That's why like the genre of this movie is off. It's not... It's, it's well, You know, I think they would have called it a serial comedy. Remember that was a thing where it was like, is it serious? Is it funny? I think this is supposed to be. That. I
0: don't think so. I think it's just a straight up holiday comedy. We just find it as a serial comedy because it's got so much problematic shit in it now. Well, no, no, it has Dwama it has actually but even drama. the Dwama at the time was meant to be funny i don't I think we only register it as Dwama now because it's got so much stuff that is wrong. wrong but
1: but him him wistfully thinking about his wife and and all those flashbacks to his his daughter at his her her thanksgiving pageant, you're just kind of like.
0: What is I thought? Well, it's all the things he's missing and all the things that he realizes that he's been on the road, you know, he goes away for work too much and he doesn't want to do that anymore. And then he starts piecing together the conversations with Dell and he realizes something is off. And he dramatically gets off the train, ostensibly gets on it on the train in the opposite direction to come back to the station, to run like it's a like it's a romance, like he's running in the rain to come back to his love. And there is Dell sitting in the station, alone, sad, and dejected, where it is revealed that, in fact, he does not have a home and that Marie has been dead for the last eight years. Probably from secondhand smoke. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, probably. Incidentally, Marie gets screen credits, and I think she might have been one of the screenwriters, that actual picture. I think that she might have been one of the screenwriters. But anyhow... It's credited as only being written by John Hughes. But when I looked into it, I was like, why does Marie have a screen credit? She's just a fucking 1980s glamor shot. Um, it turns she's a, she's a screenwriter. But anyhow, anyhow, then the buddy, the buddy movie comes full circle. They go walking up Steve Martin Street on either side of the trunk with the incredibly strong latches that they have carried upside down this entire time, making me completely cuckoo bananas. <laughs> Steve Martin comes into the house for the waspiest Thanksgiving ever. The kids are happy. The wife is on the verge of tears. Hello, Mr. Griffith, she says to Dell, And we get another super wispy, sad moment of John Candy gripping his, his leather winter cap. All sad, but happy to be present. And then it's over. Every time you go yep. away. You take a piece of
1: meat with you. That's what my brother used to
0: say. Oh my god! I used that. to love how Mark would fuck with songs. Mark would always fuck with that. He's oh like, my god!
1: Every you go away, you take a piece of meat. meat. It would it, because I liked that song, so he's fucking up, particularly to fuck with me. But they don't even use the the version that's mine. No. it's like the they use like a terrible
0: song. karaoke
1: cover. It's. it's painful. And yes, this is the moment at the end when they're carrying the trunk where I was like, literally if they accidentally dropped it and his dead wife rolled out of it that (laughs) this would be a horror film and they wouldn't have to change anything before that had happened. It would be like a whole movie could happen and then the dead body comes out and then he just looks and holds his cap in his hand and that would be done and it would just be like, ah! And it would be done and it would totally fit. He's oh spooky, my God. in my opinion, oh has my no God. genre.
0: We need to remake. We need to remake. Someone needs to remake with the alternate ending. Marie comes rolling out of the trunk. And, yeah. and now we and understand what the film And he's the house already
1: with all the kids and he's, you know, going to kill them all. Like, that's, yeah. that's, that would have redeemed the movie a little bit for me. I'm just yeah. saying, I really hated this movie. I really did. I, I know. I, I know I loved did. John Candy, to be fair. I love John Candy. He is consummate performer and see that's the thing steve-o i love steve martin but i think that he his portrayal of neil page is just terrible white privilege asshole who, who finally gets a little bit of a um you know a little bit of a hard-on because he found a nice guy whose wife died like you know what i mean it's like it's it's whatever he doesn't go through a big change of heart whereas John Candy is great because he had a heart throughout the whole thing. And it's different than lots of movies where, you know, the, of course the the oaf, like he has a reason, he's got like some kind of heartbreak, but it's more than that. Like that scene where he's like, I like me, and he stutters a little, it's so good. But yeah, I can't believe- um, Yeah, this was, the- this was
0: quite, quite a departure to have taken us away from our high from coming to America, right? but like I said, for me, this is still a classic but also slightly disappointing, which makes it completely on brand with Thanksgiving 2020. <laughs> you know, and that's kind of on brand with Thanksgiving in general. You look forward to the meal, but you know that there's going to be a whole lot of uncomfortable interaction. So it is kind of a perfect Thanksgiving movie in that sense. Yeah, it, it is. really is. It's such, yeah. I really thought you were
1: going to like this because you're, you've been very cutting and you know nothing gets by you but you must have really loved this movie that's the thing
0: is like i watched it i thought it was so fucking hilarious as a kid that yeah i guess i still have such a soft spot for i mean everything that you said is spot on. You were just so much angrier about it than me that I was like, I'm gonna go ahead and let you take that, <laughs> take that, take that mantle up. Yeah, I just still have such a soft spot for it. It's still a classic, it's still got all the good 80s cheese for me. And so, and like I said, that deep, deep, deep belly laugh of the 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 car crash skeletons. thing with the devil and the skeletons, for some reason that just like I'm nine years old and it is absolutely the first time I ever saw it, and I cry with laughter. So for that, it's got a soft place in my heart, just like evil does for you in Fright Night. Like that guy's not gonna reach me. He's that's not gonna touch my a, heart.
1: That's a classic, I don't know. You know, it's there you go. There you go. I, you I, go. Read, I read the metascores and everything for this film. You know what I mean? I was just quickly going through it. I was like, somebody's noticed that this movie is fucked up, right? Like it's not just me. It's not just me and Sasha. But everything I read is just how this is the funniest film and it's like the greatest comedy duo since Abin and Casello. And I just don't get it. Like, it, like, Sorry, <coughs> right. Don't, die. don't <coughs> I'm die. Just so upset about it.
0: I know. I it's, know you're really It's upset. in my throat. Yeah. So
1: upsetting. No, but like every single person talks about just how this
0: is. Oh yeah. I brought funny. it up to someone that this was the next film that we were going to do. And their immediate response was such a great movie. Yeah. But that they probably also haven't seen it recently. I'm now really bummed out that I saw the AMC version and didn't get to like actually experience the full swearing tirade. But like I said, without even the swear words, it was already a despicable, disgusting scene really? and despicable, a despicable display of white privilege and icky, icky, icky behavior that, thank God, is no longer in any way considered tolerable or acceptable. So anyway, happy Thanksgiving. Thank God
1: that... I don't have to watch this film again. I guess I'm going to have to watch it. (laughs) So for
0: this Thanksgiving, Amy is thankful that she'll never have to watch planes, trains and automobiles. I'm just kidding. I,
1: I, you know, I want to see why it's such a classic. The only thing I can think of is that. these. It's time specific. I don't think
0: you will. It's time specific. You would have had to watch that at the time when that kind of behavior was still considered acceptable and funny. Otherwise, no, it's just not going to fly. It's going it not
1: gonna hold up. So, on, yeah. on 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 the premise of, of our of our um podcast, of you know, does it leave a bad taste in our mouths? Yeah, this one it is, does. Is, it's it's some it's
0: some dry ass turkey. It's, it's some dry ass, ass, ass turkey candy. and some canned cranberry sauce in this one. Yeah,
1: cranberry sauce. This is this is the yams with the
0: marshmallows on it. That shit is tasty. What the fuck are you talking about? Oh my
1: god, grosser than gross. Oh, you oh know fuck what it that. Is? I'm
0: totally having that. That shit's delicious. It's
1: green beans out of a can. That's what it is
0: with that mm. bitter taste.
1: That's what it is.
0: Here we go on a nightmarish holiday flight, Thanksgiving times, to visit you or you to visit me. If your choices were planes, trains, and automobiles, anything with Liam Neeson. Or Cars.
1: Oh, I'd watch Cars.
0: Yeah, I would too. Oh, yeah.
1: I'd watch Cars. I mean, I've seen it.
0: (laughs) I haven't, but I'd watch it. Uh,
1: I'd see it. it. Well, just that I would rather watch that again. I would rather watch a a film that is made for eight-year-olds a hundred times. It's funnier than this film, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I probably I would watch cars. I mean, I would still definitely watch planes, trains and automobiles, but I wouldn't watch it repetitively like I would no. coming to America no. or the Princess Bride no. or something like that. No, no, no. It would get it would get a single watch and not all of my attention and I would I would definitely watch cars and then I would defer to whatever the TV entertainment was in the flight. Or yeah. I'd read. I'd good old-fashioned read a book. Maybe The Canadian Mounted. I heard it was good. <laughs>
1: Thank you also, very much for listening to our latest episode of Eating After Midnight. If you liked what you heard, please pop over to iTunes or whatever platform you listen to us on and leave us a review. You'd also make our day if you could follow us on Instagram at Eating After Midnight Podcast. And if you got the time, please DM us with any comments, questions, or complaints. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, Happy Thanksgiving, and hope you get a chocolate turkey. I don't know.